Hi everybody, and welcome to the new episode of the End of Cells podcast. Hope everyone who's listening is keeping well. Glenn will be joined by my co-host John and a show regular William. How are you guys? Hello, yeah, thanks, good, mate. No worries at all. And we also welcome back Natasha from a Celtic state of mind. How are you, Natasha? Good, thanks, guys. Nice to be back. Oh, brilliant to have you back on. Thanks for getting to come back on. And I mean, since we last spoke, you've been doing lots with Sky Sports and, and the upcoming BT thing that you've done as well today. How's that been? Yeah, it's been great, you know, to be honest. Um, the thing is, I like talking about football and I like talking about Celtic. So I'm quite happy to do that with anyone who asks me. Um, but yeah, no, it's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, the people at these channels are all are all great and grateful for the opportunity to to spread the word about Celtic a bit further. Yeah, I mean, I said to you before, you're you're the A-list celebrity now of the of the podcast world and every every sport outlet, which is brilliant, representing Celtic. And I think it's great the fans can get their opinions across on TV, whether it's yourself or Paul John Dykes. So I've certainly said it many well. It's brilliant. And yeah, that's it. To- you know, fan, fans rather hear from other fans, don't they? Like if I was tuning in to listen to someone talking about Celtic, I'd much rather hear another fan like me rather than, you know, an ex-player or a pundit who's, you know, getting paid to to say what, whatever, you know, the party line is at the moment. Um, yeah. Or getting paid to be controversial to keep their name in these circles but you know the fans just want to be honest and the fans give the opinions that the rest of us are all thinking so if I was tuning in to to listen to someone talk about Celtic I'd certainly rather it was another fan so I'm glad that the mainstream media are recognising that as well. Yeah that's good to say but I mean <clears throat> as you said there you're rather listening to Celtic fans talk Celtic than the, the normal people reading off the same hymn sheet or mm-hmm. the same topics and you're just it's the same old same old but hopefully uh, us as podcasts and fanzines keep it fresh for all you guys and We'll move on to the, the first topic, the first port of call, so to speak. I seen well the the Sajansa game there during the weekend, and Celtic sent scouts to watch Ali McCann. Mm-hmm. I watched him, and I thought he actually played well. He reminds me, this is not comparing him, but he reminds me of a Cal McGregor type player. He just keeps the ball nice and simple. He's good in tight spaces. And come to yourself, Natasha. We spoke about this previously on the podcast a few weeks back, in terms of homegrown talent and things like that. Now, we've seen Josh Doids that won, I think he won Young Player of the Year recently. Mm. And this is the market that most people now believe the Celtic will be shopping in. Do you think looking at them types of players is key for us moving forward? I think it is if we strike the right balance. Um, firstly, on Ali McCann, I've been bringing his name up for a while now. I think he is certainly someone we should be looking at. You know, we're heavily linked with players regularly like Nisbet and Ferguson and Doidge. I don't know why Ali McCann hasn't been mentioned till now. He's you know, that sort of box-to-box midfielder that we've maybe not had in recent years. Um, he loves a tackle, he gives 100%, never seems to run out of energy. And to me, that's someone who potentially could replace Scott Brown. And I know I'm talking about very, very big boots to fill. But if we are talking about someone like Ferguson replacing Brown, then I think we should perhaps be looking at Ali McCann instead. Um, certainly a really good player for me and one that I think could complement the squad. But in terms of the market that we're that we're working in, I think we, I think we need to have a balance between sort of three different aspects, if you like. The first one is looking at the better players in the Scottish League, like your Nisbets from Hibs and your McCanns, your, you know, well, before he signed for someone else, your Teclan Gallaghers, you know, people like that is sort of creaming the top off the, the better players in the league. The second sort of you know port or place we should be looking is our own youth academy you know let's develop our own youth players and try and get the best of them to sort of gradually bring into the first team and develop into first team players like we did with players like Callum McGregor and James Forrest 
And then thirdly, finally, to supplement that, we look at the European or the English market. Um, we pick players from there, perhaps players who will only come to us on a two or three year cycle, develop and move on to what's perceived as a better league or players who are you know, coming from teams like Man City on loan. So if we can merge these three types of players, I think that that's the model that Celtic need to be looking at. Yeah, I think as well going forward, Celtic have done well in terms of taking advantage of the the young players down in England in terms of Moussa Dembele, getting them on the compens- compensation fee. It's like a training fee they pay, yeah. like 250 grand. So that's that's a good market to shop in. But looking forward, William, to next season, if you look at like Josh Doyle's and Ali McCann, Ali McCann's from where I am, so he's a, he's a Belfast boy and he, he's represented Northern Ireland on one or two occasions already. And he's, he, by all accounts, <clears throat> Natasha picked up on something there. He's a box-to-box midfielder. He has the work rate of, you would say, like Ryan Christie, when Ryan Christie first broke into Celtic. He, he mm. runs around, he, he always makes himself available. But <clears throat> come to yourself, William, do you think going forward, the, the likes of, just for some example, players from like the League 2 of France or Belgium, they're going to be hard to get due to these new regulations and point systems coming in from the European well, Brexit, so to speak. So it is key going forward that they look in the British and Irish markets, isn't it, William? Um, yeah, I, I I agree with Natasha. That you need to get you need to find that um, mix. As like there's a, a few exceptions in the in the, the Scottish league at the moment, but other than that, for me, there's a lot of these players that I don't think are the sort of standard we should be looking for. Um, McCann, I think so I've I've been watching him close this season, especially the last uh, couple of months since we've been linked and. Uh, he's one of his biggest assets for me. What I've been watching is, is his engine and, and the fact he, he breaks up play so well. I think Natasha was bang on when she she said that he could be the man that could come in and, and play that role that, that Scott Brown was playing. Um, I think uh, Campbell from Motherwell is another one. Uh, but saying that, it's all these these names are pretty much centre midfielders, which I don't. I, I think there's other areas of the park that we should be looking to strengthen before we mm. are we're looking there. Um, if we're, we're, we're struggling at centre half. I, I like Ayer as well. I, like, I know he, he came to the club as a as a centre midfielder. I think he could slot into that role well. He's mm-hmm. great at winning the ball and driving forward. And I think he would he would be a fantastic asset in there if we could we could um, bring in, bring some more players in at the back. Um, I think there's other areas left wing. I think left back we're lacking. I think the depth of the squad isn't great. I was watching uh, John Kennedy's press conference today. And he admitted it himself. They were asking him if he's going to make a lot of changes. And he says, well, we're only working with a squad of about 20. Um, big rebuild. We don't know who's who's leaving. So, yes, I do agree that it's a market we should be looking at. But there's lot, there's been many a player that we've found for peanuts in the past that have been from um, leagues overseas. And... Yeah, I think there's a, there is there's a there's a few exceptions in our league where I think they could come and, and they're great potential. Well, the likes of McCann and, and uh, Campbell for me, I think are great potential. And, and Doig at left back from Hibs, great potential. But can they come in and just demand a place in their first eleven? I'm not so sure. McGregor's <coughs> McGregor's going to hold his place. Um, I still feel like there's a player in Christie. I'm hoping he's going to come back. And then we've obviously got D- David Turnbull in the middle of the park as well. So. If you're bringing these players in, are they going to make an impact? I mean, Tumble took, what, six months to get in the team? Um, yeah, I, I think if we're going to be splashing the cash out of the doors, I would like to see it um, splashed elsewhere. Yeah, I think you know my opinion on uh, Ryan Christie. I, I hope he leaves Celtic, and that's nothing to really disrespectful towards him. I just think 
his head's been turned and you look at him sometimes this season, he just couldn't couldn't really care less, to be honest. That's, that's like a lot of players from the Celtic squad this season. But coming to yourself, John, I'm going to throw a name at you. Right, we all know we're going to be short in the right-back position when John Joe Canley finally leaves after putting me in a coma for three months of watching him. He's just terrible. And you're looking at the right-back. We could be potentially ever Ralston. I want your guys' opinions, but I'll come to yourselves in a wee second or so. But Sean Rooney, he's right wing-back for St. Johnson. And I'll tell you something, he is an absolute animal, a machine. I watched him in the game there on the weekend. He goes up and down, up and down. He's six foot four, I think he is, and he's playing playing right back. Oh, well, of a five anyway, and he's getting forward defending, and he's a threat at set pieces. We've seen that previously. I don't know about yourself, but them types of players, William said maybe they can't come in and demand the place, but if you're performing at a certain level week in, week out, no matter for what club, surely they can come in the south, they can make an impact. I, I, yeah, I would agree to that to a certain extent. Uh... Uh, Rooney's definitely another name that you could add to that list of prospective talents. Uh, but they, again, and Celtic uh, have been guilty of this in previous seasons, uh, picking up good, talented young players uh, for other teams and then them just sitting on the sidelines and not getting a chance. Uh, and that's, as William says, uh, there's no guarantee that these guys are going to walk straight into the first team. They're definitely going to have to fight for a place. And, and especially if you're looking at midfielders, where it tends to be a position that, that Celtic's relatively stacked in. Uh, in most seasons <clears throat> and likely going to be the one position going into next season where we've probably got the most players in. So I think that uh, all the names mentioned uh, are definitely top prospects. Uh, and again, but we need to be making sure that we're being careful um, because I, 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 I hate none more than seeing these guys uh, end up at a Celtic or Rangers and then not getting any game time uh, and it putting... It, putting the brakes on their career, so to speak. Um, I also don't want Celtic to miss out on any prospective talent and, and uh, try and shortchange these teams and make sure that we're playing that we're paying their worth, uh, as we've seen with McGinn. Um, it's, I guess it's just one of those things. I, I think that the, the sort of Scottish market is definitely one that's fully sort of potential and definitely something that we can, or that we should be looking at, especially with the whole Brexit rules and everything going forward. The UK market is going to be our bread and butter, really. Um, and obviously you're still, even when it comes to players in England, you're playing overinflated prices for some players. Um, so the Scottish market is definitely going to be uh, at the top of that list, um, I'm assuming. Uh, but I absolutely, the likes of McCann, Ferguson, Doig, uh, they, they, these are all names that uh, you can see have potential and abundance, but it's whether or not um, they can maintain that. And like I say, it's... Uh, I want, I want us to look at our own youths as well as uh, we've touched on previously uh, and I don't want any of these guys just sort of fading away into nothing like previous players have done. Yeah, I mean, they bring up a really fallow point there in terms of us buying young prospective players and leaving them on the, the sidelines, not really getting game time. The first name that springs to my mind is the likes of Scott Allen. Going back a bit, Derek Rarden, when Gordon Strachan once described him as the best finisher in the league, he'd barely seen the time or day in the Celtic shirt. But coming to your, yourself, Natasha, you look... As, as, as John said, you have to look within your, your own use, but by all accounts this season, the youths haven't begun to give, been given the chance and you don't know what's going to be left of the youth academy that will go into next season because we don't know about Carmel Gutenbele if his, if his mm. contract's up, or there's another year or, and then Oko Flex is up and down as well. But the likes of Sean Rooney, Ferguson, Dodge, mm -hmm. Nesbitt, I'm not really too sure in Nesbitt, but he's a goal scorer, but I don't think he, for me, he suits the way Celtic would play under like an Eddie Howe if he gets the job because it's all tiki tack of football and he's like a bustling target man. Maybe that would suit crossing into the box, but I'm still in two minds about him and 50-50. But 
would these players not see this as an opportunity if Celtic do go for them? Now, this is just us talking about homegrown talent. If Celtic do, if these players see Celtic as an opportunity to go in, bed themselves in, and be a part of this rebuild, because I do think there's going to be gaps in the team. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, Sean Rooney in particular is someone I've heard a lot about. One of my friends who is a St Johnston fan regularly raves about. Sean Rooney being an excellent player that's perhaps overlooked sometimes by the rest of the league. And yeah, we know how limited we've been in terms of fullbacks this season and we've not managed to get anyone to properly replace Tierney on the left and we've not managed to get anyone to properly replace Lustig on the right. And even when Frimpong did, it was for a limited period. Was he really a right back? I'm not so sure about that. But in terms of Sean Rooney, you know, there you've got a right wing back, which is what Celtic quite like to play. He was always looking to to get up the pitch. And equally, when the ball's coming in from the left-hand side, he always seems to be popping up at that back post. So, yeah. again, you know, not the worst shout if we are looking at our own market and, again, supplementing it with perhaps our own players and European players, English players, Irish players. You know, if we are supplementing it with that, then players like Sean Rooney, I don't think, should be too far off our radar. Um, they're certainly sort of seem to be the players who come back and haunt us the season after we don't sign them. Um, so I wouldn't, I would certainly not rule him out as a possibility. But on the same vein, I think that Celtic as a club need to be aiming slightly higher than that. Um, I think we should be able to tr- attract a higher quality of player. Um, and I think there has to be better right back options out there. In terms of what you guys were saying about bringing in younger Scottish talent and leave them wasted on a bench or not even on a bench I just wonder if having our Colts team next year is going to help with that so maybe we should be looking at some of these younger Scottish players including our own and looking to develop them maybe not within our first team but within our Colts team obviously it's not going to be as an attractive an opportunity for young players in Scotland to come to play in a Colts team and I'm not talking about taking players like Rooney or Nisbet and putting them into a Colts team <laughs> I'm just thinking a bit, a bit wider about our youth system doesn't look very good right now. We saw when we had to play them in January against Livingston and Hibs and things like that, they didn't look up to standard. Do we perhaps now need to be looking at other teams' youth systems, looking at the youth players there and supplementing our own Colts team with with that type of player and bringing them through a Celtic development system rather than waiting till they're you know sort of more established in the first team like players like Doyle and Nisbet and Rooney and McCann are and taking them at that stage, maybe we need to be going back a stage and taking them even earlier. Yeah, and so, yeah. when I mention players, the players like Sean Rooney, Natasha, I'm not necessarily saying that Celtic should, this is their level where they should be shopping at. I'm merely taking into account what mm. finances could mm. look out look like, especially this pandemic. You don't know the the amount of money clubs has lost, and especially Celtic paying wages. Their wage bill must be astronomical at times, and true, true. you're getting you're you're getting players off the the wage bill as well, William, and you're looking to replace them with an let's be honest about this, a cheaper a cheaper option going forward. And if that's looking at the likes of Sean Rooney, uh, Doidge, Nesbitt, Ferguson, now, fair enough, all these players will command a hefty transfer price because we've seen Celtic haggle over, what was it, 600 grand to sign John McGinn and we lost that player. So go, going forward, McGinn, well, McGinn, William, go forward, William. <laughs> I, 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 th- I think the, the Celtic Colts, as Natasha said, is a brilliant way to entice young players from other teams. Now, this is a bad slant on how bad our youth academy is, in my opinion. We should be already producing homegrown talent from all angles of the pitch, whether it be right back, left back, centre forward as well. But 
Do you think the, the Celtic Colts is going to be an excellent addition in terms of getting young players in and playing competitive football in terms of the Lowland League? Yeah, massive for me. I'm all for it. I, I can't see any negatives. If there is, there's very little. Um, the, the, like, the jumping your youth to the first team is incredible. It's like the Titanic, how big it is. Uh, for these guys to get um, weekly competitive football uh, against grown men, in, in a sense, uh, and, and playing weekly, you know, it's like the routines and stuff as well. Um, training and like with the youth level, it's I, I don't know. I'm not an expert, but it's every every few weeks. Then you've got a game here, and then it's but this is going to be proper competitive football, and I think it's and the market is perfect. Like what Natasha's saying, getting these guys in, um, younger before they're making their name and 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 producing our homegrown talent yet again. Uh, when just to go back on the the, the talk about bringing these guys in the McCanns and stuff like that, yeah, yeah, I'm all for it. And like I say, their depth isn't great at the moment. Uh, I think they would make fantastic squad players. I think maybe the likes of McCann and that could maybe squeeze in the team. But I agree with Natasha where we need to we need to aim higher this next season. It seems like there's going to be a turnover in players, so we're looking for players to come in in our first eleven. Yeah, granted, we need to bulk the squad up as well, but I feel like we need to be, in this season of all seasons as well, after that catastrophic season we've just had, we need to come back with a bang, and I just feel like we need to aim a bit higher. But yeah, with the Colts thing, it's only positive, uh, and uh, hopefully we can see the McGregors and the Forests and the KTs and that come through again. Yeah, I mean, yourself, John, we spoke about the Lola League last week on the on the podcast before it was actually all confirmed and the the teams are folded for folded for free. Thankfully, I, I think it's a brilliant idea. I know some people have the reservations in terms of the clubs in that league, but as a, from a selfish selfish point of view, as a Celtic fan, I can only see benefits in terms of competitive football for the youth academy, competitive football for yeah. players who were signing, maybe not making the greater first team level yet. But what what's your opinion on the news that, that it's been accepted and it hopefully going free? I'm. Uh, in the camp like William is uh, that I think it's a great idea I know it's it's a proposal that's kind of divided fans uh, across the whole of Scotland really uh, and there is a, there is still a few clubs I believe in the Lowland League that are dead against it um, which they're well within their right to be but I think as you say there's far too many positives uh, in it for them um, yes it's only the likes of Celtic and Rangers and you're adding another two teams into that league and making it more competitive for them but at the same time, it's like they have potential to increase the income for these loaned uh, league teams significantly uh, if uh, the, the the fan bases, the either of these cult teams, uh, actually turn up to these games. Uh, and like you say, it, it can be great for communities and everything else like that as well. So um, I, I can see a lot of positives, as, as, as William said as well. Regular competitive football is a must, and the fact that we don't have a reserve league or anything like that anymore is absolutely shambolic. Um but we, we definitely need something where these guys can actually play regular football and continue their development. And I think Natasha touched on, uh, made a perfect point as well, uh, just a moment ago where she um, was mentioning that uh, the, the development side um, and the fact that we need to take a step back and you're looking at bringing the players through for as even earlier possible and making sure that, that development is happening progressively and continually for at the very sort of base, as young as you possibly could, uh, I suspect, and that, again, that's something that we've touched on in this podcast as well previously. 
So, I, I mean, I, I'm all for the cold teams. I think there's far more positives than there is negatives. Uh, I can understand, obviously, people's reservations, but, I, I mean, I, if you're if you're weighing up the arguments, it, it, it's pretty one-sided for me. Um, as well, I just, in relation to another comment Natasha made about the, and William as well quite rightly said, we at Celtic should be aiming higher. And, and that's no disrespect to these guys because they are great young talents, but we are a big enough club whereby we can attract bigger names and we should be ultimately aiming to, to sign the best possible player available um, and uh, hopefully through the sort of right scouting as well we can uncover another Van Dijk, Wanyama type of, these type of players um, and, and bring on potential world class players for for next to, next to nothing really when you consider the transfer fees we paid for some of these guys but um, just to sort of stay on the youth side of things and it's something I guess that, that we have done in the past or, or you see certainly some clubs doing uh, is even if you're looking at the guys like Rooney, uh, Ferguson etc uh, and you're offering again you're offering these clubs but these players are worth and you're not missing out but if, if you want them to continue their development but still keep have them under contract uh, then loan them back out to these teams or see if there is any other teams that and maybe willing to pick them up and give them regular football. That way, they're no sort of just sitting and fading away, uh, and and the sort of the well, we don't even have a reserve side anymore. But like the, <laughs> the sort of youths and in, in that, and and just no getting that development, continuing the development. I think is the most important thing. So having the right team and manager, backroom staff, and everything else, um, and getting these guys to to sort of buy into stuff like that is is paramount. See, sorry, yeah. just just the button. See, the the thing for me as well is, is the timing of all this. So, um, <clears throat> we've been winning obviously every trophy going for the past four years before this season now, and I thought Alex Ferguson was the greatest at noticing that his his team was well, not deteriorating, but he could see, almost he could see into the future and see that people were going to be moved on, and um, the team wasn't maybe it, it was getting stagnant or whatnot, and he, he would look and and he would start rebuilding. And I think Celtic may have become, we always say about um, the Green Brigade thing and the falling asleep at the wheel stuff, I think we've been resting on our laurels too much. This team's been winning everything, so we'll just keep going with this team. But the Edwards and the Christies, and the, we always knew they weren't, they weren't going to be here forever. Yep. These these guys, these McCanns and stuff like that, when we were at our peak of the last season or the season before, for me, these are the guys we should have been bringing in then and slowly integrating them into the team. Mm-hmm. building their experience mm-hmm. and playing at that at this level for this club and with the pressures that come with it for times like the time because we all knew this time was, it was never ever going to last forever and then we're not in a situation where we are now because it feels like there's going to be the massive turnover and a massive rebuild yeah. and we're in a bad spot now if we had that and we spotted that previously which all these guys upstairs who are getting paid millions and millions um, can't see but we can all see then I feel like we wouldn't be in the predicament we're in now, where we're looking at these guys and it's all potential, and but it's not right. This is our team going to win, going to take this league back next year. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, William. I, I really do. There, you made, you made some good points, and the way I would describe this Celtic team well, over this season, anyway, do you ever get dozy batteries? You stick them in your remote, it works for like one or two clicks. <laughs> then you have, then you have to whack your remote off the off the wall or the floor to get it working again. That's that's to me how, how this Celtic team is. It's just it's. They should have seen this coming, and you're right. Pointing out Alex Ferguson, he was a genius, genius at spotting when his team, his team needed um changed or revamped. That was he was he didn't care didn't care if he had to sell players or get rid of players. He got rid of Roy King, for example, uh, an absolute icon at Manchester United. But 
times do move and you have to take that sentimentality out of things. And that's been the, the word for Celtic this year. It's just been a lot of favours, a lot of, do you know what I mean? That, that's what it looks like to me. But one guy that, I mean, wouldn't take that, what we've seen over the weekend, is Conor McGregor. The notorious Conor McGregor <laughs> said that he had a discussion. Well, he, I think he was questioned about if he would ever buy a football club and his words were, the first option or the, the first ever discussion he had was around Celtic, Ben Shores and Dermot Desmond. Now, you have you almost have visions here of Conor McGregor walking in the boardroom being like, you'll do nothing. You'll do absolutely <laughs> nothing. And for for me, yes, the, the whole novelty side of thing is great, Natasha. You can have a wee bit of a laugh and the, mm. the profile mm. of, of the club's raised. But at the end of the day, me personally, I don't. There's there's no wings to this for me. I I, I just think it was pan the sky talk. What about yourself? Yeah. Oh, I agree. I'm dubious if I'm honest. Um, very skeptical. I would want to know what was in it for him. Um, I don't believe that it's love for Celtic. I'm sure he maybe you know being Irish feels some sort of alignment towards Celtic. But as far as I recall, I do not remember hearing of him being at Celtic Park or seeing him being at Celtic Park or anything much further than seeing him wearing a Tierney top while he trained. Um, you know, what he said was that he was considering my United, he might consider Celtic, he's talked about them. For me, for someone like McGregor, I feel it sounds like a bit of a vanity project, just treating a football club like a toy for someone with a lot yes. of money like he does. And for me, that's not enough. I want to know why he would want to get involved with Celtic and what he would bring to the club as well. It's not just something for him to make money out of or for him to raise his own profile be by, by being aligned with a club like Celtic. Um, yeah, I don't like it. And that's probably before we even get into the realm of people I want associated with the club. <laughs> um, the type of person we want as a shareholder in our boardroom, is McGregor one of them? For me, absolutely not. That's before we even get into um, the various things he's been accused of and the various charges levied against him. But for me, I'm not sure that I would like to see McGregor associated with Celtic, and I don't really see it going very far, to be honest. I think you make an excellent point. It's like a, it's a project for himself, more or less, to get his name associated with the club. And mm. you're right when you say mm. that no one's actually ever pictured him at Celtic Park. I think he got sent a, a shirt from Kieran Tierney, as, if that's correct, that he was trained in it as well. And I mean, Kieran Tierney sent the shirt to the Piggy Blinders crews, but they're not trying to buy shirts <laughs> or something. But, but come with your, yourself, William. I mean, everyone loves the whole... Well, there, he is a controversial character, but people either love, or, love him or hate him. But speaking from the people who like him as, a, as an individual, the character he brings and the, the charisma he has. And Natasha's totally right. There's things he's done, and I don't really want to get into the whole legal side of things in terms of what he's done or what he's been accused of, but he has been seen doing some bad things as well. And I personally don't want him involved with Celtic, and maybe that's a bit controversial and people will probably call me out, call me out on that. But I think what, where Natasha's coming from is perfectly, I, I think she's 100% correct, because I, I don't want Celtic to be anyone's toy. I've accused Dermot Desmond before of, of using Celtic as a toy, and I still firmly believe that Celtic are picked up and put down whenever, whenever Dermot Desmond wants, wants, really. We've seen that with his, um, his, st- his statement that the Celtic fans basically saying, pipe down. So come and do yourself, William. And I, I'm going to come at this at a different angle for you. If McGregor was serious, right, and there was a consortium of investors, potential buyers that were come to look at Celtic from America, Dubai, that type of thing. But again, we all know where Dubai and all leagues to American owners could that European Super League come up in the future again. And is that something that would interest you? Um, no. Um, I, I'd maybe give him the manager's job. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would be a bit of a laugh. Some of the statements would be pretty, 
No, he's, I think he's nailed it bang on the head. He's, I mean, he's he's fantastic at what he does and it's entertainment, but um, I don't think that sits right with our club. We're a family club and uh, I think he's of, um, stated about his, his previous indictments and stuff like that. And I mean, he's in the fight game and he he's great entertainment and, and that's great for um, building up fights and all the rest of it, but when it comes to us, it, I mean, the guy's got the biggest ego on the planet, uh, and this just seems like another thing to put in his back pocket to to fill his ego. Uh, yeah, I would stay as far away from him as possible. He could be a cousin of Ryan Christie. He has a big ego as well. But <laughs> even if, even if, even if you look at it, his potential net worth, I think it was going about one hundred and twenty million dollars, and that's I mean that's more money than I'll ever see in my whole life. But in terms of Celtic as a club, I think they're valued around one hundred twenty million pounds, and even if you look at it, John, from a potential even investment, just purely financial towards the Celtic side, there's nothing really to say he could bring millions to Celtic and give us give us money for a potential war chest for this rebuild or anything like that. So yeah. that's what leads that's what leads me to believe this is pan the sky. And as Natasha pointed out at the start, there it's just basically him getting his name back out there, trying to be aligned with some sort of football club. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm in, I agree with Natasha and William um, and you, Stephen, that. I don't think there's much in it. Um, again, it's. I mean, I don't want to say he's using Celtic's name to sort of drum up interest in him because he's he's got far mm. more sort of worldwide uh, recognition than Celtic probably has uh, in terms of people who are aware of who he is that don't know who Celtic is, etc. Uh, globally, but um, I mean, like I say, he, he was asked a question uh, and he says that 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 sort of came up, uh, and I think again people were just taking things out of context and running with it. We don't know what sort of extent that that conversation even entailed. Mm. Uh, um, I don't think he's looking to buy out Dermot Desmond completely. Um, I think he's just maybe looking to get some sort of involvement in a club, buying a certain amount of shares, uh, which he, he could certainly afford. I mean, I think he just recently sold his whiskey company for like, uh, sold his stake for like, three, that sold for some like 300 odd million. So I think his net worth's new about that. Um, so I mean, there's certainly. He could afford to buy shares, absolutely. Um, but I, I think the the main thing would be if he was taking this seriously. We, I think we, as fans, would deserve to know what exactly he's looking to bring to the club because you need that outlined. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to just see him coming in for the sake of it, uh, using it as a sort of toy or whatever vanity project. But if if he if he could come out with a statement, if it was actually happening, he came out with a statement and says, "Look, this is what I'm going to bring to the club," and it was actually viable, then I think it's something that a lot of people would take recognition. I mean, there's positives to him being in that sort of side uh, from a financial perspective and that he's certainly, he'll bring much more global attention to Celtic. People who weren't aware of Celtic or, or aren't really following Scottish football or anything like that, especially in the likes of America. Um, uh, he's bringing, he can bring attention to that and things like merchandise sales and that would probably go through the roof. Mm. Um so, I mean, there's money to be made uh, and no doubt an appointment like that in the boardroom and just because of who he is, uh, share prices would probably skyrocket as well. Uh, and maybe that's what he's interested in, just trying to get his buy-in and then sell out again. Um, but nah, it, for me, it's, it's I don't see anything in it, to be honest. Um, and uh, ultimately, uh, I don't necessarily want him to, to buy any shares. I don't really see the point. Uh, and ultimately, our majority shareholder is a billionaire, and he doesn't invest in the club, so I can't see. 
Just when you thought that season couldn't get any more mental, eh? I know. (laughs) Conor McGregor's won shares. You told me at the start of the season, Celtic over nothing and St. Johnson were on for the double. I'd put you in a straitjacket and I'd fire you straight into the next Looney bin. What is going on this year? But I think in his defence, in terms of Celtic, he was. I think he was asked like early in his UFC career eh, about football, and he he did mention he was a Celtic fan. Um, So I, I think this was well before the sort of Tierney strip nonsense. But yeah. The, I mean, he may well have some sort of relation to Celtic through his family or whatever, but uh, again, it, it, I don't see much in it. And as I says, you, ha- you you talk about consortiums and all these billionaires for like the Saudi Arabia, the, the Arab Emirates, and all that, and American sort of conglomerates who are billionaires and buying out clubs and all the rest. Of it we literally have a billionaire. He's worth like what two or three billion. Yeah. Mm. Who has a majority of shares at Celtic, and what has he done with it? Nothing. That, Nothing. But you bring me on to my next point there, Natasha. One thing that does boggle my mind from that statement from McGregor was it seemed like he had a direct conversation with Dermot Desmond. I don't know if that's what you took from that, but for me, I'm looking at that going, look how hard Dermot Desmond has been to get from a purely statement or clarification point of view for Celtic fans, and Conor McGregor kind of have a direct link to him and speak to him about Celtic shares, and we also seen. That before recently, actually, Dermot Desmond came out and said that the Celtic shares weren't for like weren't for sale at all. So mm. that leads me to believe that he's might he might be open if he's having them conversations with people, maybe indirectly, maybe off the record type conversations. But does that kind of come across to you at all? Well, it certainly sounded from McGregor's short statement that he had actually been talking to Desmond about it, and it wasn't just something he was considering. That there had been discussions. You know, Desmond's not going to be that easy to pick up a phone and just have a discussion with, or maybe he is if you're Conor McGregor. But I imagine there must be some serious consideration in Desmond's mind if he was even willing to have the conversation about it. Um, We can talk about shares and fan engagement, and that's a whole different line to go down. But the Celtic fans, as you know, have been suggesting through the Celtic Shared platform that this is a way of the fans being provided with added value you know, for their season tickets this year. So if the club or if Desmond or if anyone are considering issuing shares or selling shares, then I'd like certainly like them to give a bit more consideration to the share proposal from Celtic Shared first. Um, there's a lot of fans who have contributed a lot of money to this club over this year for very, very little in return. And a proposal made by the guys at Celtic Shared was that we're offered some form of refund on our season ticket by way of share issue. Um, it's a way of keeping the money in the club and it's a way of rewarding the fans for you know parting with hard-earned cash over a difficult year um, for essentially a TV subscription. It's definitely an interesting idea and if Celtic are talking about selling shares to someone like Colin, <laughs> Conor McGregor, if I can get that out, <laughs> um, I was going to call him Callum for a minute, um, no, he's definitely not a UFC fighter. If Celtic are thinking of issuing shares to Conor McGregor, then I'd like to see them consider the the share issue to the Celtic fans first. Yeah, I think it's they should be giving Celtic something back. And I watched that um, live you saw on the Celtic set of mine. It was around two hours mm-hmm. long, and I thought the information just was fantastic. We tried to talk about it in the next podcast, but again, we're we're quite limited on what we know. But you explaining it there just is is amazing. I think. Celtic fans should be given shares or at least an, an option to buy shares and the likes mm-hmm. of Celtic Trust have that subscription fee and I would urge anyone to have a look at it and go onto their website, see what you think and if you want to sign up, sign up because it all benefits Celtic Football Club in the long run. But coming to your, yourself, William, 
one thing we spoke about before we came on air was we're seeing what Motherwell's done for their fans, which is absolutely fantastic, by the way. And for anyone who doesn't know, basically, anyone who bought a season ticket last season, they get one free this season. That, for me, is added value yeah. to the next to the next level. And I've seen someone comment on Twitter, and it made me laugh. Celtic will probably respond to this by giving everyone a pound off next year's season <laughs> ticket. And it, 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 it's just typical of what we actually think of our club. And it's not nice to obviously see them comments, but again... It's what we've come to expect. And I know you, you wanted to say about the Monroe thing, William, so I'll come to you for this. I just think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's just I we, we spoke about it briefly before we came on. Uh, I noticed that on Twitter and I had to retweet. It's just um absolute touch of class from Motherwell. And uh, in the, the day and age we're in just now, in the past year or so that we've had, it's been very, very tough. Not only did they, they say that they'll... they'll They'll give a free season ticket this year to all season ticket holders from last year. They also gave the option, I think, to um, refund the ticket for last year if, if if people are in need of the money and stuff like that. So um, that's that's what football is all about. Um, we give so much to our clubs. Uh, for them to give that token gesture in return, uh, I just think it's uh, it was absolutely fantastic. I can't praise them enough. Uh, yeah, Celtic fans might get a free ticket to the Paradise Windfall or something like that. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, touch a class from Motherwell. It's fantastic. Yeah, I, I think I think it's fantastic, and we we all just want some sort of added value from our club, whether it be announce the SG manager as soon as possible, giving the option of shares. And John, I mean, it is slightly concerning that clubs are already coming out offering season ticket for next season. Also, uh kind of giving them refunds if they're in need and giving the free season tickets and Celtic are just sitting there again on their hands. Yeah, no, I, and I said that as well when we briefly discussed it at the start. Um, I, the chances of Celtic doing the same to me just seem like slim to none. Um, yeah. And when you consider the the whole sort of the background and history of Celtic, why they were formed uh, and everything that the club claim that they stand for, um, for them to be so silent etc regarding the, the whole season ticket issue and for Motherwell to do what they've done especially coming out of the whole Covid thing where we know clubs have kind of been uh, a wee bit, they've obviously taken hits financially um, for Motherwell to then do that um, is absolutely incredible and they deserve all the plaudits that they get and all the clubs here especially a club like yours again when you look at our history, considering their history and everything else should be standing up and taking notice and I really really hope that other no, I don't generally hope other clubs follow suit because we can't expect them all. Even no, everybody's in a position to be able to afford that, but we certainly are. And given the season that we've had, the board need to be doing something uh, to to sort of give back to the fans essentially because from start to finish, this season's been abysmal. Uh, the, the Celtic TV um, stuff uh, that came with the, the season ticket purposes for this year hasn't been great. The silence for the club and just. When when you add everything up, it, it's it's crazy uh, that we're even in this position. But all, all credit needs to go to Motherwell for what they've done. Yeah, I mean, I think we all echo that. I mean, Natasha yourself, did you know about that before you came on there that Motherwell offered that? Yeah, I just saw it just before I came on here um, with you guys. And again, I can only echo what you have said that it's an amazing gesture by the club who are really recognising the difficult position of the fans over the course of the season. I mean. The football clubs have to recognise that the supporters, the season ticket holders, have had a variety of 
different circumstances over the years and people's financial positions are going to have significantly changed over the course of the year, perhaps through loss of employment, through furlough, through additional costs, through health issues. The clubs don't know that. So the fact that Motherwell are recognising that people are going to have been impacted negatively by this pandemic and are doing what they can to help their supporters during a difficult time, it can only be commended. I hope that Celtic have, you know, a similar sort of recognition. Sadly, I don't I don't think it'll happen. Um if I'm if I'm being honest, I don't see Celtic going down that sort of route. And I yeah. certainly would not put it past the club making our added value, you know, some sort of voucher for the Celtic shop. Um <laughs> I certainly hope not, but but we shall see. But the longer the silence goes on, the more frustrated the fans are. But they certainly are going to have to start selling next year's season tickets soon. And it's going to be very difficult to ask the fans to put their hand in their pocket again. Firstly, without a management team in place. Secondly, without any, you know, direction as to where we're going next season. And thirdly, without any information on what form of added value we're going to get for this season's ticket. So... It's going to be difficult to promote or to ask for renewals without any of this information in place. So hopefully we get it sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, we don't usually do this on, on this channel, but I think for about two minutes, 50 there, we turned into a Motherwell podcast. But big, big, <laughs> well done, Motherwell. Well done, Motherwell, exactly. And one thing that as Celtic fans, Celtic supporters, we know we're going to lose next season is our captain, Scott Brown. Now, for me, I've been focal and... I, I'm not saying too disheartened, but again, sometimes these things come to an end. And we can all appreciate that he's a, been a captain, a leader, a legend, to quote Celtic on their, their Twitter pages. And it's it's exactly true. It's the best way to describe Scott Brown. Uh, nine in a row captain, quadruple winning captain. I mean, there's so many things you can say about the guy. And come, coming to yourself, Natasha, coming to the day, which is, is farewell, Parkhead tomorrow, people have been laying out banners and stuff and putting flags out for Scott Brown. And that video from Adam Lynch, uh, yeah. that was fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. I was watching it. It, it gave me goosebumps. But mm-hmm. for as looking at it as a fan's point of view, is it going to be a sad day for yourself tomorrow evening? It is. You know, it is actually hard to imagine Celtic without Scott Brown. He's been such a big part of the club for so many years. And for a lot of our younger fans, for the majority of what they can remember, and that's really saying something. And it is going to be sad. I am going to feel emotional at the fact that we won't go back to Celtic Park and we won't see Scott Brown lead the Celtic team out again and that'll be strange it really will Um, it really cannot be underplayed what he has contributed and given to this club you know being a captain who's achieved a quadruple treble is something that we're likely to never see again you know that can never be taken away from him Um, and I guess all we've got to do is say thank you to him and be, be grateful for what he's given us and for what he's achieved over the years so I'm sure I will not be the only Celtic fan with a tear in their eye watching Scott Brown's last game <laughs> at Celtic Park Definitely not, I think the majority of fans feel that way and you have to think as well, that could triple travels when he completed this season and again mm-hmm. it's kind of swept under the carpet obviously due to the achievements of the team across the city but it's something that should be talked about, it, sh- it should be repeated repeated, it's, you'll never see that again in a lifetime, I could triple winning treble captain. That's unbelievable, John, isn't it? No, definitely. Um, like you say, he's been an absolutely fantastic servant for the club. And it's what he's been there fourteen years. Like that's mm-hmm. almost half my life. Um so not seeing him in a Celtic jersey is gonna be uh, a little bit strange. Um but like you say, Stephen, that 
these things had to come in end sometime, right? Uh, we know, obviously, like you said, he's been there for, for 14 years. He's given everything to the club. Um, in, in terms of football, he's getting on a bit. Um, so, uh, I mean, he's, he's definitely going to be greatly missed. Uh, and I'm sure that, I think we've touched on this before, it, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a statue of him uh, erected outside Celtic Park at some point in the future, um, given everything he's, he's given the club and what he's achieved. I think he's won more trophies uh, at Celtic alone uh, than most clubs will ever win in their lifetime. So it's it's pretty yeah. incredible. Um, and you know, like it says, like Natasha says, he might even be a wee tear in the eye, but he'll, he'll definitely be missed. Well, I'll tell you one thing, that video gave me a tear, tear in my eye last night when I watched mm-hmm. it. Just, mm-hmm. it, it. It was incredible by elements. Big shout out to him for creating that video. And come to yourself, William. A lot of people scoff at the whole it's Scott Brown, a statue, they laugh at it, but his achievements can't be underplayed in a Celtic shirt. He's played against no. the European Europeans best in the Champions League, whereas Europa League, he's played against Pirlo, all them types of players. He stood his ground and he's been the, the, the basically the, the focal leader of our team for years and it's we're gonna we're gonna miss him, but as I alluded to it as well, it's do you know I mean he's the face of Celtic Football Club, but again sometimes we need that that needs to come to the end to move on to a new type of player. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you've all said, and it really frustrates the life out of me that it does get underplayed. I mean, for me, he's, he's, he's quite literally one of our greatest captains ever, one of our greatest players ever. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, if, I, I don't think his name's out of place with the likes of McNeil and Larson and all, all these legends at the club. What he, what he has achieved in his time at this club is unbelievable. Like... Um, John alluded to there, he's, he's won more trophies than most clubs have won. And it, it annoys the life out of me that people underrate him as a player. As he was a fantastic player. Uh, changed through the years, obviously, I think he came to us as a right right winger and went in the centre as a box-to-box player and then ended up being this, this sitting midfielder. And he epitomises everything that a captain should be, that a leader should be. There's everything by example. You never ever ever seen him in, in the papers or, or in, in, in the media tabloids, but and and bother. Uh, he's a proper proper Celtic man, and uh, I think there should be a statue erected at some point outside there because, like I say, he should be up there with the with the guys, a quadruple, treble winning captain, nine in a row. Um, and uh, and I know Celtic fans that kind of underplay the the part he's played in there, like, as a player. Not as a man and a leader, but I think sometimes we undervalue him as a player because what he did at the club was mm-hmm. was second to none. And like um, the outpouring of uh, videos and messages that you've seen from players previous and and now the likes of Forrest and McGregor and, and every single one of them talk about how they, they've got their they've got to thank him for their careers and he took them under his arm and he was the one that led the way and showed them. Uh, I think that shows what sort of guy he was. Classy, classy guy. I've got to give a shout out. If you're not seeing it as well, you need to go on to social media and see Michael Michael Lustig's video for him. Yeah. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. I was actually I was actually going to mention that. I thought that was funny, especially at the end. He's like, I'm knocking up the Aberdeen to visit you. So, <laughs> but come come with yourself, Natasha. Let's may put you on the spot a wee bit. But what's a Scott Brown moment that lives in your head? Just one thing he's done or on the pitch, or just something you've seen. Ah, oh, you know, there's so many. The one that comes immediately into my head now that you put me on the spot is Rugby Park. Um, that just epitomises 
everything that is good about Scott Brown, that drive to make sure that we got that goal and got those points that were so important that season at that critical time. He's the sort of player and the sort of captain that just grabbed the team and grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and forced it over the line. Um, it feels like we've missed that this season, but him offering us that at Rugby Park that day was was special and an incredible moment that will stay with me for a long time. Yeah, 100%. One that, one that stands out for myself is, it was actually in that video that we were all talking about, was when he got tackled up in Aberdeen twice and he just got up and celebrated it and that's that's the that's the man. That's the legend that we all love. The captain that we all looked up to. And come to yourself, John. I mean, there must have been a big sad relief, relief there when Natasha mentioned Rugby Park because I'm sure one of you was at least thinking about Dale has defence in it when he did the brown. <laughs> but you know, that, that, that was exactly what I was going to say. I, I, I remember when it, we we the, the, the podcast episode we done. Yeah. We we discussed at length Scott Brown. And I said that as well, and I was like that sort of immortalised him. Um, that. If there is a statue outside Celtic Park, that has to be the pose he's in. Uh, yeah. And just the, the, just because it was against them and the type of person, not just player, but just a deplorable human that Juf was, mm. it was just a statement. And it, for him to not only just score the goal, but the position and the timing of everything was just, it was perfect. Everything about it was perfect. Yeah. And co- come to yourself, William, anything to add to that? Oh, it's very difficult. There's so many. Um, I just honestly just I can't tell you how much I idolise this guy. Uh, I'm really very very sad to see him go. I know it's time and and these things don't last forever. But for for somebody to come in that is especially in in the modern day football, for somebody to be a part of your club for as long as that and be as successful as he is, is just it's just non-existent, is it really? Especially in the modern nah, day. Um, and just like I like I say. Absolutely, it's, it's plastered all over social media. Captain, leader, legend, to epitomise what a captain's role is, and we've we've discussed at length in previous podcasts about who's going to take the mantle next. There's there's nobody anywhere near him. Um, he's untouchable in that in that sense. And uh, yeah, he'll be. He'll be and I know. Mind we had Tony Haggerty on um, a few weeks back, and he was telling us about his his games to trophies ratio and it was mm. I can't remember how many games it was but it's absolutely games. Games. that's disgusting <laughs> if you're another player and you're looking at that you must be like that is just ridiculous <laughs> he's going to just be a massive mess um, I really really I don't I don't think it's a last we'll see him I hope he comes back I feel like we again we've discussed it before um, we're, when we're bringing players in we need we need that man Tommy Burns was the man in the past that sold Celtic yes. to these and, and told them um, exactly what it was to be a Celtic player and what it was to wear that shirt. Scott yeah. Brown for me is the perfect example of that. So hopefully one day he comes back and he's our man that does that um, does that for the club because um, again, the Axon crew, Russell Boyce was on and he talks about being a selling club. We need people like Scott Brown or our Tommy Burns to... to explain to people what this club means and what it is to play for this club and, and, and Scott Brown epitomises all of that and uh, I'll definitely be in my class to him on, on Saturday because it's, it's going to be very very I'm nearly shedding a tear now thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> I think for, though, for, you, you made some absolutely fantastic points there as well William I think what I want to say is the, about him coming back essentially um, I know obviously we know he's away up to Aberdeen, um, but you'd like to think hopefully he gets a wee bit of experience in a coaching set, uh, sort of side of things, 
and then he can come back to Celtic and be part of that setup. Uh, like you say, because we do need a guy. We haven't had a guy like that since Tommy Burns, and and, and you, you you need a guy like that at Celtic to sort of instill in these players, especially when it comes to bringing new guys in, uh, and the younger guys as well, just to tell them what it means. Um, and again, like you say, it's not anything we ever see in the modern game these days. Uh, players playing for clubs for that length of period of time and being as successful as he has been, um, there's a, a lot to be learned for that. And I think that instead of chasing money, these players should be looking at that and looking at what he's achieved in his career and saying, that's what I want. Like, that's the kind of career I want mm-hmm. to have. Rather than looking at the... I mean, and let's no, let's no kid ourselves. It's not like his bank balance is going to be... <laughs> he's 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 going to be well off. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's not yeah, like he was earning absolute yeah. peanuts. So you can come like to instill that in people. Come to a club like Celtic, win trophies, win medals, get your play against some of the best players that you'll 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 play against in Europe, the biggest names in football, and and build yourself a career, a legacy at a club because you can do all that while still living comf- well well comfortable, and I again. It, it's a lesson that, that needs to be learned and something that needs to be drummed into younger guys coming up. Um, and I know he was not like, a lot of Celtic fans, I've spoke to them, and it's ridiculous that they even mention it, but, the, the, like, we know he was not like, an Iniesta, he was not a flashy player, but he was an absolute workhorse, and he'd done everything he needed today, and he led the team like a, like a leader and a captain, so, yeah. I, like, like I, you say, I think, I think the biggest thing for me is, see when he's, retired and he's he's got his grandkids and he's sitting in his office looking at all this stuff and he looks at all these medals and trophies and sees what he's done and, and how he's just succeeded in the game and then you look at the likes of a, I don't know a, a Gary Hooper who went down south and ended up going down the leagues and, and I don't know where he is in India or something now playing, that just epitomises everything that you're talking about when he looks back at his career you can say I've got a love for this club and an affinity for this club and look at what I've achieved and then there's the other one that goes, well, I'm living in a flashy house, but I did next to nothing in my career. And uh, I think to have an affiliation with a club like that and a club like ours and the stature ours as well, um, I think the stars were aligned when Scott Brown joined Celtic and it was just meant to be for him to stay for as long. Because I can't actually remember there being mega interest coming for him. And even if there was, I think he's probably just batted it away and says, you know what, I love this club. Um, these fans love me, I'm not going anywhere and uh, it baffles me that people still underrate him and uh, I think he deserves everything and more that he gets, like I say uh, uh, for me he's up there with the, he should be mentioned in the same breath as the, the Larsons and, and McNeils and yeah. the Lions and these, <laughs> these guys because his achievements are like second to none Yeah, I think that's perfectly summed up by, by you guys I mean, the, the way you have to look at it as well Scott Brown, as you said, John, he wasn't flashy. He never pretended to be flashy, but he got the job done. He loved Celtic Football Club. And coming back to yourself, William, there was interest from Spurs at some point, but he just totally rejected that outright. And people say he was unambitious, but again, you go down to these clubs in England, you end up either in the squad or you're playing for like a, I don't know, a pressing in three or four years. So he stayed at Celtic 14 years, won all them trophies. And the way you said there, People can look back and say, well, if, if I went to England, wouldn't, wouldn't they think the grass is greener? I live in a flashy house, but I did nothing. For me, that perfectly describes yourself, William. You're, you're living with a jacuzzi bath in your house. But... <laughs> Aye, but I'm no, flashy. I'm no flashy either. I'm just a workhorse as well. Aye, but yeah, I mean, we all know the whole Scott Brown is going to leave in the team, Natasha. And you look at you look at the situation 
Celtic find themselves in at this present moment with no manager, no director of football, which, by the way, the talk around that's gone really quiet, so I don't know what's mm-hmm. happening there. And again, the, the whole head of recruitment thing that again gets kind of swept away. As I said in, in the topic list, it's it's a, it's a ship with no no captain, no leaders. It's just sinking at the moment, isn't it? It seems to be. It seems to be that there is no leadership. And it's interesting, you know, because the club are still doing a bit of business. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're still sort of looking at bringing players in. Um, players are looking at being allowed to leave. I'd be interesting to know who's making those decisions. You know, is it, is it still Lowell? Is he still going to, to linger and stay around even after Mackay takes over as CEO? It, it'll be interesting. All I can hope is that all the pieces are in place in the background. Whoever is going to be appointed the manager already knows that and it's simply a case of putting the final pieces of the jigsaw together and that he is working on things. He does have plans in place. He knows his targets. So whenever he does come in, as late as it now is, he is ready to hit the ground running and take the team forward very quickly because like we've talked about um, and like has been mentioned regularly, this is a very short pre-season window. Look how close the Champions League qualifiers are. We can't afford to go into them unprepared again, as we always do. And the longer we leave it appointing any leader in whatever capacity that is going to be, the more underprepared we're going to be for when these qualifiers come round. And that's before we even start to think about the start of next season. Um, and it's just so critically important that we start the season strongly we can't afford the momentum to start swinging further in the wrong direction at the start of next season. So there is a significant amount of work to be done in a very short period of time and no leadership currently in place. So I can understand why everyone's concerned. I am too and can only hope that whoever is coming in is coming in in the short, you know, in a short time and has already got plans in place for when they do get here. Yeah, one guy in this podcast believes all the cards Rosie is John, the co-host. So come to yourself, John. Give me some anyhow belief that he's going to be the man. He has all these jigsaw, all all these pieces laid out. Uh huh. And I still find like that. <laughs> I mean, I've I've said I've I've been we we've discussed this at length. I've discussed this at length. I've went on and rants about it. Rants. I, I mean, I. <laughs> I, I personally and firmly believe Eddie Howe has he, he he's pract- he's more or less in the door. Um and as, as I said, it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when. Uh, I actually just want to give and I just want to back this up. I don't know where this information's come from. I don't know the guy uh, <coughs> that's provided it. Um but a friend of yours, um you know him, William uh, Toto, Tony. We shout out to you, Tony, if you're listening. Um, he let me know. He was drinking with somebody the other day. Uh, and he let me know that uh, anyhow is definitely the manager. <laughs> Not listen. You're said <laughs> to and, me. You're said to me. Again, the pub said to your friend that anyhow. No, no. <laughs> I'm just... Did that... Listen... I'm just getting out there. I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just, I'm just passing <laughs> this information I'll take it. But, I'll take yeah, it at this stage. That's fine. Excellent source. Done. But listen, he's not saying he's not saying anything that I didn't already believe, right? Let me just make that clear. And I'm not saying that I believe this guy because I don't know who he is. He, he might well know some. Chances are he doesn't. But who am I to say? Because like I said, I don't know. But what I've been made aware of in this. Uh, individual has stated that not only is how uh, the manager 
or he will be announced as a manager, but uh, apparently Richard Hughes will definitely be the director of football. So, uh, and that's all, that'll all be announced before. That's went quiet a bit, hasn't it? This director of football, yeah. this huge thing. It's, it's someone's name I've not heard mentioned in a while. So it's interesting that he still might be in the discussions. Um, yeah, so this is, this I, is the news that I'm hearing, so we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree with you, to be fair. I do also think that how it's a done deal and it's all sorted behind the scenes and we just need to wait and hear. Um, so I'm, I'm with you on that one. and Yeah, just a case of when. How many pipes did the guy have? Can, yeah, William, William, <laughs> can, I, can I just make something clear here? Just anyone who's listening, we do not actively go out into pubs looking for people's opinions. <laughs> on who's no, no, that, this, this individual, like I says, I don't know. The, I know Tony. <laughs> we know Tony. Uh, Tony's known to talk some shite, but that aside, <laughs> doesn't make it any better. No, <laughs> let's just, just find the drunkest guy in the right. pub and then ask what him if he's going to be in charge. <laughs> well, apparently this guy, he, he, he's close to people, he's in the media, he's close to people in the media, and he's he's confirmed that, uh, according to him anyway, his, his sources are saying, Eddie Howe is definitely going to be the manager, Richard Hughes is going to be the, be the director of football, and it will all be announced definitely before the Scottish Cup final. Come to yourself, William, here, just okay. before I come, on, I come on to you. This is coming from John, the guy who yeah. tells us nothing to hear say. Not to yeah, believe Twitter, really not to believe yeah. papers, and his mate Tony's popped up. There, I was did having that, a chat. Did, did, <laughs> did I say you to believe what I'm saying? I'm just passing information on. I never said there was in, in it. Right, right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, what about yourself? We know the whole oh, stuff, right? <laughs> we know the whole here and about my auntie's, granny's, goldfish's, sister's, cousins, a cleaner at Celtic, and Eddie Howe's been <laughs> in the building yesterday. <laughs> Honest to God, just announce it. Your analogy about a sinking ship is very good because I feel like we are the Titanic now. And uh, Kennedy's Kennedy's Kate Winslet lying on the door, and and Eddie Howe's DiCaprio just slowly, slowly gone, and we're like, "Come on, just get on the door. There's space. There's space for two in the door." Eddie, <laughs> jump on! For God's sake, just announce the thing, man. I cannot believe we're still discussing this. What nine, ten weeks after Lennon's gone, and the communication's non-existent, and we're talking about all drunks in the pub saying that they've been pals with media. <laughs> Saying that how's in. <laughs> I know I'd see it being on a serious note, I'd, 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 there's too much clout around how to, to think that he's not going to get a job and there's not enough there's not enough um, coming to fruition from any other name. So like I you know me, John, I'd, I'd, I I and, and Stephen, I listen like I'm sick of hearing rumours and I listen to none of them. I don't I'm fed up getting excited for to be then just Peter petered out. <laughs> Again, so um, uh, until he's parading in front of the media with a scarf above his head, I'm not going to believe a thing. Like I said, I think Conor McGregor might still be on me a shout. <laughs> I, I, I'm about to the same thing as yourself. We've, we've discussed this before in the, the group chat and, and on podcasts. And I, I mean, I stated it and I'll state it again. I don't believe anyhow he will be the manager. But as John says, I back it up and say, I do want him. He's the number one choice. Just to live on both sides of the camp here. But, <laughs> Moving to the game we'll have against the Johnson. Now, we've seen John Kenley come out and basically said there's going to be some rotation, which we were expecting months ago. But again, Celtic seem to do everything in times two, times three months later. So we don't know what's going to happen. We've seen that Scott Baines picked up a, an injury, which could mean the return of Barkas. Come on. I still think there's a keeper mm. in him. But I, I don't know about I yourself, Natasha. I personally believe there's players in the likes of Barkas and the Addy. And if they get the chance on the right manager, they could shine. 
You know what? I don't disagree with that. But what frustrates me is that they haven't been given a chance now. Why has Kennedy not used his game, 10 games in charge to give them a chance? The league was over. You know, you know, cup run aside, that's also over now. Why haven't they been given a chance before now? These 10 games that he's had was an ideal opportunity to assess some of these you know, so-called fringe players that we haven't seen enough of or that failed earlier in the season. Get them into the team, have a look at them, and let's properly assess whether there is a player in them. There might be, there might not be. I personally haven't seen enough of them yet. And I know he sees them every day on the training ground, but it's not the same as giving them actual game time. So yeah, I'd like to see them both get a run out against St Johnston, but equally I'd like to have seen them both get a run out for the last 10 games. They certainly couldn't have done significantly worse than what we had in their place was. So yeah, frustrated that they haven't had their chance before now, but certainly look forward to seeing them, you know, maybe in the last couple of games. Well, we'll have to remember as well, um, this is the same coaching team that held back Sorrow and Turnbull for six months of the, of the mm-hmm. season, and they could have they could have been an impact. So we don't know what the likes of Vieri. Maybe he's not a brilliant trainer, but we've seen professional footballers before that don't train well, but they're unbelievable on the pits. And yes, we've seen him in sub appearances, and he hasn't really lived up to the bill. But he needs to run the games. Every player needs that run the games to get confidence up. He could he could be a confidence player. The same with Barcast. He may not be used to the way Danny coached certainly because he's coming from a a European country, Greece and stuff, everything's a bit more laid back. I, I don't know, but that's just my opinion on it. But when I'm coming to yourself, so this rotation that's, that Kenley's speaking about, would you go just full rotation and just chuck all the friends guys in? Um, I wouldn't say full rotation, no, but I'd make a lot of changes. We've, we've talked about it previous, and Natasha's nailed it. Um, we've been wanting to see the likes of Ayeti and Griffiths and these players get a run on the team for uh, God knows how long. Kennedy as well, he's, he's got nothing to lose. I don't understand why he's not tried to change it up. He's, lived, he's pretty much went with the same same personnel, same formation as uh, Lennon and his predecessor did. Uh, yeah, I, I, it still baffles me to see that he's not... I, I, he says he'll make a few changes. I can see, well, one of them's enforced anyway in Bain, and he'll probably make one, one or two more changes, I would imagine, and uh, that'll probably be about it, and it'll be much the same. Uh a dead rubber, you think you, you give these guys the chance. And we've, we've mm-hmm. bashed on about it for, for weeks and weeks about the likes of Dembele and stuff. He gave Dembele 20 minutes um, a few weeks back and uh, we've not seen anybody running it. I feel back for a long time. Oh, well, Forrest coming back, he's, he's been doing his bit, but um, Dembele looked on the 20 minutes at least like every time he got the ball, he was looking to attack a full back rather than turn back the way and, and pass it five yards and, and, and keep the ball. And I know we're this, it's the way the football is now and it's all about possession and if you keep hold of the possession then you're not going to concede goals and stuff like that but us as a us as Celtic Football Club growing up watching team, uh, our, our teams it's the Glasgow Celtic way was always um, wingers, flair um, beating players high high tempo and scoring goals and that's not been happening for Kennedy with nothing to lose and he always like Every time he's in an, an interview, he's, he, he's never ever once said he wants a job. That's not to say he didn't want a job, but you, you've pretty much got nothing to lose, so why not? And him himself, he always says he advocates um, the youth and stuff like that. Still baffles me that he's not he's not um, he's not utilised that or, or utilised the squad in any way. It's pretty much. I wouldn't be surprised if he's used any more than 14, 15 players. Um, yeah. I would, I would like to see mass changes tomorrow. It's a dead rubber. Why not? Exactly, exactly. And one thing, one player that's actually that took that 
It's took that little point where you keep the ball, you turn back and pass the ball back. John Joe Kennedy, John Joe Kennedy, John Joe Kennedy. <laughs> and he gets to the halfway line and he gets a nosebleed. He just turns back and he does these awful passes either back to the keeper or to the centre-back. I hope for me anyway, none of these lone players get an opportunity tomorrow. I don't care if it's Moya or Nusi, I don't care if it's Kenny or Axel. They shouldn't be in the team going towards even the end of the season. You, even who do you dislike more? Kenny or Christy? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. Um, see, to be honest with you, uh, William, see, to be honest with you, I... Oh. I'd go up and pay their taxi fare right now to get out of Celtic and Tantley. But coming to yourself, John, I don't know what your source down the pubs told you about the lineup tomorrow evening, but where, where are you thinking these changes might be? Um, so, firstly, it's not my source, again. I just don't <laughs> uh, they, But no, I, I mean, I, like Natasha says, he's, he, Kennedy's been in charge now uh, for 10 or so games, and he's not made any changes he's kept the same sort of team the same sort of formation by and large uh that's failed us all season uh he's done nothing different he's implemented nothing fresh in terms of ideas uh i, I would it wouldn't surprise me at all at this point if it came out that kennedy wasn't even picking the team um, I, I i don't know what is going on but the fact that these guys haven't been getting a chance the fact that there has been no rotation and games ultimately mean nothing at this stage of the season um absolutely baffles me um, so uh, like William says uh, other than Bain uh, which essentially he's forced to do um, it wouldn't surprise me if there's next to no changes yeah I think you're 100% right and that brings us on to the lineup predictions I'll come to yourself William first what have you, what have you gone for? you want what I would go with or what he he's, he's going to go with you would go with you not the team not the coaching team because they're just I don't know they're playing they're vanilla so let's go with you okay, okay. can I stick Danny McGrain at right back? <laughs> <laughs> I would go I would go with um, I think it's too late for Barkas to be honest with you I think he should have had a run in the team long before now but it looks like his number's up so I think um, but I would go with the Barkas I would actually put Ayer at right back because I think he's looked very capable there this year and like you John Joe Kenny is I don't even know what he brings to the team uh, and then I would play Welsh and Beaton at centre half. I'm not a big Beaton fan, but uh, if it means Kenny's out of the team, then I'm all for it. Taylor at left back, um, Brown and McGregor in the centre. I would probably play Sorrow, but Brown needs to play. Obviously, it's his big send off, and it's dead rubber, so I would give him the games. Turnbull number ten, Forrest on the right. I would go with Christie on the left. And I would play Griffiths up front. Thanks, John Canley, for your team sheet. What about yourself, Natasha? You know, not the suggestion there of um, having Ayer at right back and beat on and at the centre isn't one I thought about. But, you know, I wouldn't be against it. Equally, wouldn't be against seeing Ralston getting a shot. I wonder if there's something in John Joe Kenny's contract that says he has to play. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I don't see an issue with a back line. Well, let's start with the keeper. I'd like to see Barkas. And like we've covered, I want to see more of him. Is it too late for him to have any sort of redemption? Maybe. But I'd like to see a bit of him and get a new manager's opinion on him. Um, in terms of the back line, probably Ralston, Welsh, Ayer and Taylor. Um, across the middle of the park, yeah, I want to have Forrest in there. Um, McGregor and Turnbull. Usually, like, like you said, I'd have Sorrow. But in terms of this game, obviously, we want to have a Brown. If Mikey Johnson's fit enough, I wouldn't mind seeing him start on the left um, and see see what he looks like. Equally, I, 
we could ha- we could go two up front and surprise us with a Yeti and Griffiths. If I had to pick one, I want to see see a Yeti. So I know I've given a few options there, um, but that's kind of like how I'd want to see him go with the squad tomorrow, tomorrow night. For me, I would go with Barkas, Ralston, Ayer, Welsh, Montgomery. Give him a shout, mm, as well. Yeah, great shout. I would go with Brown and Sorrow. Give McGregor the rest because he's played like mm-hmm. a million mm-hmm. games in the last six years. On the right, if Forrest can start the game, we'll start with Forrest. On the left, if Mickey Johnson can start, we'll start Mickey Johnson. In the number 10 position, I would go with Turnbull. And then up front, I would go Albion and the Eddie. Yeah. And then on the bench, on the bench, I would fill with likes of Oko Flex, Carmoco Dembele, um, Dane Murray, all them types of players. Just get them on. And then you can make five subs still, can't you? Can't, can't we? So, yeah. yeah, so we can get them on the second half for a bit of game time and look forward to the Absolutely. last game. But what, what about yourself, John? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm going to say Hazard rather than um, Barkas. I think out of the two, Hazard has actually been the only one to show any sort of promise. Um, it looks like there's a keeper in there, uh, so I think he deserves uh, a chance. Uh, I would just I would play Taylor, Ayer, Welsh. I'd agree, give Ralston a chance uh, at right back. Um, then it would be Brown and Sorrow um, for me. Uh, two in the middle of the park, uh, and then just in front of them, I'd have Michael Johnson, Turnbull, and Dembele, and then a Yeti. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all in agreement that rotation does need to happen. And as Natasha rightly said, this should have happened months back like, literally at the start, the start of the year after when we started the youths against the Livingston, them two games, just keep that going because the season was just kind of dead rubber anyway from then. Not that many of us would like to admit it, but that's the way it was going. But looking at score predictions, I'll come to yourself, John, first. But what have you gone for? I mean, we do this every week, and, and we never get it right. <laughs> not only do we never get it right, we're we're constantly we're let down. <laughs> um, I mean, it's hard to say because I, I just don't have any faith that uh, Kennedy's going to have the the sort of common sense. I I would say that to even make the, the necessary changes. I think it's going to be much more or less the same. Uh, we're going to struggle to score goals as we have done, so I'm going to say 1 1. Whoa, 1 1. Didn't expect that. What, what about yourself, Natasha? Oh, I was going for a draw as well. I was going to say 2 2, actually. Um, I can um, see a few goals in it. I can, especially, you know, if we're, you know, fielding a bit of an inexperienced side, patching a bit of a team together, giving some players a bit of a chance who haven't come in before. Equally, St. Johnson might be looking to do that too. I mean, you know, they've got. <laughs> a cup final to look forward to and they've had a couple of difficult games recently so maybe they'll also be mixing their squad up a bit but equally they're a team that's absolutely flying um Callum Davidson's doing an unbelievable job there and they just seem to be getting result after result so it wouldn't surprise me if they managed to to pick up a point against us so I might I might go 2-2. 2-2 I'm going to go for 3-1 to Celtic and you make a brilliant point there regards um, Callum Davidson they have a manager who knows how to coach and get the best out of a team which is something Celtic's been lacking they're on for a domestic double and as William said in the middle of the show you'd be like that's never happened at the start of the season but it's happened but come to yourself and it's a perfect point as well Natasha made about the potentially resting players I didn't even think of that yeah. uh, but with the, the like you say they've got cup games and that I'm sure they want to keep their, their, their team, the strongest team possible fit and healthy um, so that they're still in the running for that double. So, yeah, I don't know. That might change things, but... <laughs> what about yourself, William? 
Um, um, or see, just to make a point with Callum Davison as well, that that St. Johnston team is everything that Celtic hasn't been this year. It's mm-hmm. a team of players that work hard for each other and work hard for the shirt and um, go out and, 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 and just give their all to win every game, which we've lacked massively this year. Um, I'm going to be positive and go 3 0. And oh, yes. we're, we're going to win a penalty. We're going to win a penalty in the last 10 minutes, and Bruni's <laughs> going to take it. I'll do me. 3 0. Is that your score prediction? Is that the St. Johnson or Celtic, William? You weren't quite thing there. <laughs> well, Bruni's not going to take a penalty for St. Johnson, is he? <laughs> Are you going 3 0 St. Johnson? No, Celtic. Oh, right. <laughs> well, guys, that. In terms of the show, that's us kind of wrapped up in terms of the, the main segment. And we're going to move on to the dreaded quiz. And we're still ahead of the Celtic City of Mind, guys. I think it's... Is that us done now? Can I just sign off? Is that what nope, it says? We're no, finished? No, 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 no. I think it's it's, it's standing at 5-2 at, la- at the last check. So we're up 5-2. Okay. And the quiz is going to be between William and Natasha. William's been cool. practising for this all this weekend. He's been sending me voice clips and all of what he's going to say if... If he's getting the quiz questions and stuff, but I've kind of watching been, the I've chase kind of been, and hoping a Celtic question comes up. <laughs> I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a curveball to both of you, right? Oh, no. So I've kind of mixed this up. It's not gonna be a Celtic quiz. Just let you know. It's gonna be a quiz regarding football in Scotland, certain <laughs> clubs. So we'll go with it like that, okay? So it's well, it's five questions. five questions. No, five questions, that's all you get. So, are you happy and ready to go? Let's go. Yeah. No problem at all. What is the name of Motherwell Football Club Stadium? Park Park. One nil, William. Natasha, are you on mute? No? You all right? <laughs> You're too quick. I think that's <laughs> honestly. Right. What is the... I'll give it to you the closest hundred here, okay? So, what is the capacity of Fair Park? This is a Motherwell podcast. <laughs> 15,000. Well, I'll go, I'll go 18,479. Right, hold on. Right, right. Picture for, picture for <laughs> park in your minds here, right? On the TV, what we're seeing. I'll come to yourself, Natasha. What do you think it is? 14,000. I've taken one <laughs> off it. I said 15 at first. I'll take one off it. I'll go 14,000. William? What did I say? Uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with 18,479. <laughs> See, it's thirteen thousand six hundred and seventy-seven. What do you think of oh. Fur Park? Is the Alliance? That's not far away. I'm so close. I know. I can't give you that. I can't give you that. Unfortunately, can't give you that. I said fourteen thousand. Oh, you said fourteen thousand something. Aye, uh, yeah, I got a couple hundred away. That. Right. Tough, tough, tough host. Tough host, man. That's very <laughs> harsh. I've crumbled under the pressure from John. I'm shaking. <laughs> right. <laughs> what is the name? Of Greenick Morton Football Club Stadium. Oh, I know this. Ten seconds. Nah, it's not called ten seconds. Nah. Five, four, three, two. I don't think I know this one. Capello. Yes, two, one. Yes, got in there <laughs> right at the end. Well, it, was right in, it was right in the tip of my tongue and I couldn't think of it and I just thought I'd throw it out there with one second to spare. So yes, I'm happy with that. 2-1. Next I question. Think that was 11 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> what is the name of our United Football Club Stadium? Air United. Hmm. Um, oh, this sounds familiar. 
I've no idea. I don't know. I don't know. He's going to give up. No, I give up. I don't know that one. Right, Somerset Park. As it stands, no. the quiz never got is two. As it stands, it's two one to Natasha. So Natasha, you just need to get one more right, and you win the quiz. Come on, let's go. I'm feeling confident. Let's do it. What is Albion <laughs> Rovers' mascot's name? Everybody knows. <laughs> right. <laughs> Listen, I told you this is interesting, right? What is the name of Arbroath Football Club Stadium? Oh, for God's sake. Oh, I think I know this one. Is it Gayfield or something? 3 1, Natasha. Yes! Oh, yes! That's 5 3. They're, they're two points behind us now, winning. They totally let the team down there. Like, come on. Feeling back for Axum. <laughs> but I mean, I, again, I don't guys, even know what to say. I'm speechless. Yes. You just didn't know nothing there, like, really, did you? It was shambles. Nah. Like, absolutely shambles. But well done, Natasha, with winning that quiz. And again, I didn't know I any of them either. <laughs> <laughs> and again, guys, brilliant show. Thanks to my co host, John, and the show regular, William. Have you enjoyed it? Ah, it's been great, mate. Yeah, as always, mate. A pleasure. Yeah, also, Thank you for having me on, guys. And also to you as well, Natasha. Thanks for coming on. Have you enjoyed this one? Absolutely, especially winning that quiz at the end. I'm very competitive, so that has made my day. Thank you. That's <laughs> me deleting my Twitter account just in case. Right? Cannot wait to let the Twitter followers know once this is out tomorrow. <laughs> and, and just and just that listeners know as well, we've got some fantastic guests lined up this week in the Sales Podcast. We'll be interviewing Lewis Tosney. He's known around that the football circles within Scotland. He's played for Celtic, Ross County, Dundee United. We're going to talk to him in depth about his career from when he started in Youth Academy all the way to his career now as a manager, as a young manager as well. So that's going to be interesting. And again, guys, thanks for listening. And to the people who come on, thanks for coming on as well. It was a really good podcast there. And until Friday, our usual podcast, stay well and keep safe. Hail, hail.